Well, good morning. I want to take a moment to specifically talk about, I still feel loud. Do I sound loud to you guys? All right. And I'm loud enough, so (laughs) I don't want to freak you all out. But I want to talk to you about our joint worship night. I think we have a slide for it. It's going to come up here. It's being called Convergence. Uh, It's going to be two churches coming together on Sunday, May 5th to worship together. Uh, Real Life's worship team, our worship team are going to intermingle. Our congregation is going to come together on Sunday night at 6 o'clock and we're going to worship. I just want to ask right now, and I don't do this very often, that you take and write this down in your calendar, in your iCal, in your Google calendar and all that stuff, an opportunity to break down walls and show the community that we're together it is an amazing thing. So I would encourage you to put that there. I know that the, the worship's going to be awesome. Uh, just being with different people uh, is going to be a great joy. So uh, please put that down. Invite people who want to be part and find joy in that stuff. Um, it should be anyone that's saved, really, uh, should find joy in that. Uh, so, you know, if not, see that they get saved and bring them with you. Or if they're not, just bring them and they'll get saved. I mean, we're, we're an open book here, so please consider that. And I wouldn't say just consider it, just make it, make it a point to come out. I guarantee you, you will be blessed. So I'm just going to put you on the spot. Who will more than just consider coming out that night? I want to see. All right, all right, all right, fair enough. Thank you, thank you. All right, so now... Or I heard something, but I won't. Now I want you to, uh, you can have your Bibles open up to Matthew 21. We've been talking about a series called Undaunted. So one of our elders, Tim Leahy, he took us through undaunted evangelism, what it means to share the gospel within your circle of influence. Last week, dear friend of ours, uh, Pastor Devin Kraus, came and shared with us what it means to have undaunted generosity, generosity that is just abundant in your life, and and takes part in there. So this week, we're just going to look at undaunted passion. And and some of you can go, what does that mean? Because if you look at all these things, none of us live them up 100%. Undaunted uh, evangelism. I don't think we all hit that 100% mark. Undaunted generosity. I don't think we all hit that mark. Did you pinch him, Austin? Everyone just look at Austin and just get, you yeah, know. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. This week, we're going to look at the undaunted passion. And so in the same way, like today, I felt a passion in this church and this body. I felt it. Sometimes you don't, right? And so we're like a wavelength up and down, up and down. And so I've asked Abby Sinclair to come up and give her testimony. And so, Abby, would you just come up here, give your full attention to this lady. Let me just pray for her. Lord, we thank you for Abby. Lord, we just pray you would calm her spirit right now. Lord, she's with family. Lord, we wanna hear what she's gotta say about you and about her life 
and her walk. Lord, I thank you for her passion for you and her honesty. Bless her, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Um, as Eric mentioned, my name is Abby Sinclair, for some of you that don't know who I am. Um, originally, when I've, I've been preparing to share my testimony for a matter of months, uh, originally it was supposed to be an intimate thing with my sister-in-law, but it turned into something more. And uh, even just in this past week, what I thought God was going to use my story for, he completely changed. So, um, <laughs> um, so I'm just going just to tell you my story. Um, my world became very dark early in life. When I was five years old, my mother was diagnosed with cancer and died a few months later. It was my mother's death that led to my first ever explanation of who the Christian God was. Uh, it was explained to me that my mother was in a better place. This God wasn't exactly my friend, because why would he take my mom away? Um, so I asked questions and was given subpar but well-intended examples of God and who he was. I was told good people get to go to heaven and bad things are God's way of showing people that they're bad. Not long after, my father remarried a woman that put me on edge even as a little girl and he was married to her for the next 12 years of my life. I went from being an only child to the being the youngest of five and from the outside world, we were your stereotypical working class family. But behind closed doors, I was introduced to manipulation, emotional neglect, abuse, some physical abuse, and just isolation and darkness. It wasn't all bad. There were good times, too. It was also in this 12-year period that my relationship with my dad deteriorated. It spreads out into present day, but it is a work in progress. When I was 15, I landed in a juvenile center for behavioral and mental health issues. I made it there because I had begun to self-harm. I had reached that point for a number of reasons, but my breaking point was when my stepmother decided to blackmail me rather than letting me face the consequences of choices that I had made. All over a boy. More on that in a minute. Because I felt I had lost control over my life, I turned to something that let me have the illusion that I had control but because I knew that hurting myself was not the answer and I needed help, I went and confessed to my high school guidance counselor, which meant facing, finally, the consequences of both of my actions, both good and bad. Not only had that affected me, but also the rest of my family, and it was the right thing to do. All right, remember that boy I got in trouble with. From the age, I was, from the age of 14 until I was around 19, I was in a non-exclusive, quasi-relationship with a boy two years older than me. If you want a real label for it, it was an emotionally and sexually abusive relationship. I was manipulated, abused, taken advantage of, and flat-out raped repeatedly. And the worst part about that situation wasn't even the abuse. I had gotten pregnant, and I had just turned 18 when I found out and I was absolutely terrified. I believed I had no support from my family, and when I told the father, he asked, what are you gonna do about it? And I wrestled with what I wanted to do, and with the heaviest heart, I chose to end that pregnancy. I just lied in my bed, sobbing, 
not just from the physical pain, but because as far as I was concerned, I had just made the worst decision of my life. But I didn't believe I had a choice at all. All of this and others molded my idea of the so-called loving God. By the, by the end of that time, while I was curious about him, I was angry and very bitter. I was depressed, hurt, tired, and at one point, I wanted my life to end. Then the divorce happened, but that's a different story. I also turned to witchcraft as a mean to satisfy some kind of longing of purpose in my life. And quite frankly, I hated the idea of God so much that I wanted to go in the complete opposite direction of him. I also had turned to using marijuana to ease my pain, another illusion of control that I had in my life. Then swoops in a very dear friend of mine, Ben Howard, who some of you know. We hadn't talked for a couple of years, but then he, I got a phone call from him. He gets on the phone, and if any of you remember how Ben is, he is very passionate. And he says to me, hey, do you have a few minutes? I, I need to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And if anyone is going to listen to me, it will be you. So I entertained this phone call, but afterward, I had a ton of questions. I went down the rabbit hole um, in an effort to gather as much information as I possibly could, church visits, meeting with pastors, listening to sermons, reading articles, anything that I could get my hands on. It got dark again for a moment. I found myself in a place where I wanted to hurt myself again. I just, my poor mind could not reconcile who this loving God was and why he wanted a relationship with me. After all I had done and been through, how was I good enough? But this time, I did end up hurting myself again, but it was completely different. Where I used to feel numb, this time I only felt pain. There was no satisfaction in it. And I found myself on the floor of my apartment crying out for Jesus and crying out for peace. And it came. The wind outside had stopped and this unexplainable calm washed over me and it was quiet. It was Jesus. Hold on. Yeah, the whole place was quiet. And I was reminded of what a Bible teacher had said in a sermon that I had just listened to. It was that Jesus came to save me, where I was, how I was, in spite of me, because he loved me. He loved me so much that he died so that I could stand before God in heaven as righteous and free, free from all that I had been through, free from all that I had shackled myself to. Soon after this, I found myself in a little conference hall in Easton, with Ben and his friend uh, Chris and Katie, the Charlie Brown crew, for those of you who know. Um, we found ourselves at this little church called Oasis. We had been listening to Pastor Rob preach. That was because we figured out later that Pastor Eric at the time was in the hospital. We liked it here. We felt at home, but even at this point, I still hadn't made that connection with Jesus. I hadn't decided to follow him. Then one Sunday, Eric stood up in front of the congregation and seemed really uneasy. 
that Sunday, Pastor Eric had to announce to the church that with uh, the church had made a heavy decision to ask a couple of people, a couple of members to leave for disciplinary reasons. And he went on to teach and explain how and why the church made the decision using Matthew 18. Now keep in mind, my little group and I are new to this whole church thing. And that was a, an incredibly heavy and somber message to absorb. But that's when I fell in love with this church. That's when I fell in love with the authenticity of this church. I had found my home. Then Pastor Rob led into communion with a message that hit me right to my core, and I wonder if he even remembers this. He said something along the lines of, if you had not given your entire heart to Jesus, don't you dare walk up to that table until you have. The symbol of taking communion wasn't something to take lightly. And it wasn't just something to do. It actually meant you were acknowledging the cost of your salvation and what it meant in your pursuit of Jesus. Eric's message made me want to be a part of the body, but it was Rob's warning that made me want pushed me to that relationship with Christ. Pastor Eric at the end had offered, if anyone had any questions, to come talk to him. And as soon as we were dismissed, I ran right up to him with tears in my eyes, crying, saying, I need to talk to you. And I was met with a, um, can I, can I get my wife? Um, it's one of his favorite stories. Um, and it was there that I sat with Eric and Laura, and I shared my story, where I, where I come from, why I was there. And uh, it was in that little back conference room of the Crystal Cube that uh, Laura led me to my, through my salvation prayer and giving up my life to Christ. In a matter of months, everything changed and still is changing for me. That was almost nine years ago. My life isn't perfect. It's far from it. And I still miss the point all the time. As an example, just this past week, I almost gave up on my faith altogether. I was so overwhelmed by my circumstance of this current life season that I'm in that I succumbed to the lie that there was no hope, and I was ready to quit. I couldn't feel God's presence in my life, and once I became so overwhelmed with my circumstance, I didn't even want to hear about the hope and God's plan for me because my husband tried. The Holy Spirit used him and my friend Ashley the Comte, I don't know if she's here, that evening to stand me back up on my feet. And finally, with seemingly the last thread of faith that I had, I asked God to show up in my life. Because I had nothing left, and I wasn't sure if I still believed in his promise. You better believe he showed up starting that night. He led me through Habakkuk, and I rested there for a while, and I got to see his character. Then the next day, God overwhelmed me with his presence through an audio book, a good review at work, and hope for our circumstance, because Rusty had an interview that morning, and then that same day, I found out that he is starting tomorrow. Even... God even showed up in small little things. A guy from Chick-fil-A showed up with free sandwiches. <laughs> and 
even sweeter. God sent me flowers. If I've learned anything this past week in the nearly nine years that I've been stumbling through my walk with him is that all that garbage that I walked through then and now, he used to show me his glory and his presence in my life. And more importantly, he wanted, me to have a, he wanted to have a relationship with me. He led me to these places of difficulty, hidden away, so that I might be able to know him intimately and personally. I am a new person because of him, with time, counseling, and failing a lot. I am, I'm not angry anymore. I'm not bitter, and there's peace and joy in my life. Some might even say I'm more patient, too. They're lying. <laughs> when I was 17, I thought I would be dead by now. But here I am, 29 years old, walking, if not stumbling, with Jesus, married to a man who's far more patient than I deserve and a part of something that's bigger than myself in spite of myself. I have so much more I need to change and grow, and I have so much more to learn and experience, and I can't wait. Thank you. Since it turned into a little bit of humor here, I'll tell you a story of what happened when I practiced this. The worship team was watching me, and I had this novel machine from home. It's a USB-connected lighter that you connect, and it shoots electric. And so I was going to practice lighting this, and I stood up there, and I don't know if you can see it, but there's a metal control knob. I lit it, and I'm trying to get it to work. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I just start to feel my left hand just starting to hurt, and it's running up my arm, <laughs> you know, and I, fi I finally realized, I go to hurt, I had to stop doing that. Don't get electrocuted by a lighter. Abby was true when she said that's one of my favorite stories. Did I just do that?
When I walked into that church on Sunday morning and I saw four young people come in and I knew that we were going to teach on Matthew 18, I'm going, they are never coming back again. (laughs) So, oh, the power of Jesus Christ. When young Abby walked up to me in tears and said, I want to talk to you. That is the power of the gospel. It doesn't matter what you're preaching about, but if Jesus is present, God works. And it's a beautiful thing. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 21, very familiar passage for Palm Sunday, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. They brought the donkey, um, excuse me, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before them and that followed them were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. So Abby did such a beautiful job of presenting to us that life gets hot and can get hostile and can be overwhelming and can bring us to a boiling point. You ever been there? You don't think you have the answers. You don't think you have a clue. You begin to question everything that's about you. And it's just like the first thing you want to do is run. It's like, I'm done. Just run, run, run. So I want to give you three things to think about. And I want you to ask yourself a difficult question. First one is Are you a potato? Y'all know what a potato is, right? When put in extremities, the potato gets and becomes softened inside what's normally hard and rockish and, and, and hard to bite through or punch through. It begins to soften and it begins to even break apart and therefore we make what? Mashed potatoes. So when life comes to you and the boiling water starts and it and you get put in, if you're a potato, 
And when that water does its thing, do you just fall apart and unravel? Just completely unravel. No control, high anxiety, losing your mind. We've all been there. We've all been a potato. I feel like I'm a VeggieTales guy now. <laughs> We've all been a potato. But is this consistently who you are? Life gets hot. Sufferings come and you fall apart. Secondly, are you an egg? An egg has a hard outer exterior, but in the inside, it's very soft and uh, liquidy and falls all apart. Like if I came over to you and, and cracked this on your head, you know, it would come all over. But when you take an egg, and if in your life and you get sunk into adversity, bad times come, questions arise, and you're in the water, do you stay the same on the outside, but on the inside you're hardened and calloused and angry and bitter? The people who don't know you well just see an egg. Sometimes it's easier to see someone that's a potato than it is to see someone who's an egg. Because on the outside, the egg looks sane. But on the inside, hardened, callous, bitter, maybe even contemptuous inside. So you're hardened. And a lot of times the only people that can answer the egg is the people that are closest to them. Because to the world you can seem like a mighty fine egg. Got your stuff together, this egg looks good, but Jesus says, don't look on the outward appearances because God looks at the heart. This morning, are you sitting here and you're a hard-boiled egg spiritually? You've come out of the water. And you don't seek counsel or friendships. You don't be real. Maybe you're a potato falling apart and you hide it as best as you can. You try to put on the norm at church on Sunday. You walk in, walk out, put a smiley face on. You're a good egg or you're a good potato. But your life's falling apart. It's either falling apart or it's grown hardened inside. 
Do not be deceived. What do I mean by that? A potato doesn't know it, I mean, sometimes knows it has a problem, but thinks that it can manage its problems. And so the self-help potato goes to work. Reads all the book in the self, all the books in the self-help section. I just can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. I can fix this. I, 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 I can do it. I can fix it. I can fix it. The hardened egg goes, I look pretty good compared to other eggs. I'm pretty good at deceiving the world around me. But anyone within a close circle will know and be able to identify that you're a hard-boiled egg spiritually. And the anger has led to contempt, and the contempt has led to bitterness towards individuals, and the bitterness has led to a type of hatred you can't control anymore, and it overflows like boiling water. Potato or an egg? Then we've got a third thing. Coffee beans. Who loves the smell of coffee? I mean. <laughs> Jesus has heading towards the cross, and if you if you picture the journey we're leading to towards Friday night. Jesus was heading to the cross. He knew what was coming. He knew the situation was going to bring it to a boiling point. He knew that everything was going to be somewhat symbolically against him, and internally he was going to deal with the biggest difficulty of his life, total separation from the Father. But when a coffee bean has been ground and crushed, devastated if you if you grind it up if you haven't had coffee yet this morning I'm sorry it'll be a little beanie for you it makes something that the world can drink and can smell and can sense put their hands around. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you consider playing games with God and just feeling like you've got it under control uh, and, and think that it's going to get better, it's not apart from transformation of the inside. And that's what Jesus Christ is in the business of doing. The old ways don't work. Your attempts are novel, 
but empty apart from Jesus Christ? You're not fooling God, and quite frankly, you might fool most people in your circle, but you will not fool all people because those closest to you know where you lie today. Potato, egg, or coffee bean. I propose to you that Abby had an opportunity this week to go full potato. She went full potato. (laughs) And to go full hard-boiled egg. And we could have never seen her come here today because she should have just said, for a season, I'm done. But she chose to trust close friends to talk to and to share exactly what she shared with us and probably more and to say, I'm broken right now, I need help. That is why we do life together. That is why we do not stay alone. That is why we do Matthew 18 because we're built to be reconciled with one another and to God. We're not called to be these things. We're just not. James 1, 4, it's for you, Abby. I didn't know you were going to say what you, yeah, I guess I did. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The missionary Hudson Taylor, who founded uh, a mission in China, he used to hang a plaque on his home with two words. One said Ebenezer, and the other said Jehovah Jireh. The first word meant the Lord has helped us. And the second one meant, we will see the Lord provide. One look back, one look forward. Folks, I want to present to you this morning that if you're in a place here, you're not fooling God, but you're playing with fire. And the boiling water of life will transform you into something you don't want to be. Either somebody that they don't know what your future holds or someone that they just never know when the wrath is going to be released. Jesus offers us transformation. It begins with confession to God. And and he'll get it if you go, I'm an egg. I feel that right now. You all know where you are. I'm not, I, I don't need to be a genie up here. You know where you are. We're all somewhere in between with the bean at the center, all right? But we're on a journey. And as we come to communion, we find another opportunity just to go, yeah, I confess. My outside looks normal, but my inside's dying. Lord Jesus, would you help me? Find your peace with the Lord, but then go to a trusted friend and confess where you're walking. Don't try to pull the wool over people's eyes. Don't give half-truths 
I've done that. You ever done that? You know, when it's time to confess? Yeah, we're going to confess today. Okay, what am I going to confess about? Yeah, you know, I, I, I looked, I yelled at the dog yesterday. Oh, yeah, that's bad, man. That's bad. You know, oh, yeah, no, oh, well, you know, we come up with something. I, I said a curse word, you know, on Thursday, and, you know, I didn't know if a lightning bolt was, you know, dispense with the stupid stuff. Not that that stuff doesn't matter. But the things of life breaking apart or hardening are consequential for your life here on earth and your testimony. It's going to be sweet, savory, life-giving, or not. Would you please stand as we get ready to come to communion? We have three opportunities this week. One is right now to begin this week well and do real business with Jesus, not halfway business. Not half-truths. I'm going to get in trouble. Don't BS God. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. We're going to have some people come up here who are up here and others who can pray. If you have a trusted friend in the congregation, we want you to take communion. This is an open table, but do business with God in your heart first. If you've never experienced the transformation that Abby's talked about so eloquently, You might not have another day to do it. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. There's people around this room. If you want to talk to someone, I'll be up here. All these people will be here. We'd love to talk with you. Don't leave the room without doing business with Jesus this morning. Just don't do it. Whether you're a potato, whether you're an egg, whether you don't even know what you are, come to the one who is open-armed like the prodigal son's father, and says, come home, son. We're glad you're back. Jesus, as we come to the table, Lord, I'm only beginning to realize what James is saying about the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. I don't look forward to the next storm, but God, I thank you for the ones you have brought us through. We trust you. Our faith wavers, but you are faithful. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.